Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Once again, it's great to see you this morning. Glad we get to spend this time together as we worship and celebrate. A couple things going on we want you to know about. Uh, the first is happening tonight at 630. Uh, you probably saw as you pulled down Pleasant Valley Road, all the stuff already getting set up uh, for our big flannel by the fire event. Uh, that happens tonight beginning at 630. We hope that you will be here. Bring some friends, bring some, uh, some kids with you. Uh, stuff for all ages. Uh, everything from a face painting. I don't know if there's face painting. I'm making stuff up. Uh, I know there's axe throwing, and that's really what I'm excited about. So we're going to throw axes, preferably not at each other, but that's happening tonight, uh, so I hope you'll be here uh, for that. Uh, we are uh, having, um, some of you have already signed up, a chili cook-off tonight, and so we'd invite you to bring a crock pot of chili with you, bring your best recipe, and we'll have a little ch chili cook-off. You know, as a, as a pastor, there's, there's an element of being a, a pastor of a church like this that I've been here for over 19 years now um, that's kind of like being a dad. I don't know if that makes sense or not. The, the, sometimes you see your influence demonstrated in the people that you minister to. It's, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it, it's a big boost to the ego. Um, it's, it really makes you feel good as a pastor when you see people um, who've learned from you. You can tell that they've learned something from you. And what I have seen last week is you have learned from me how to talk trash about a chili cook-off. Because I've done it for years, and the trash talking on social media and on, even on the sign-up sheet for tonight's event is incredible. So uh, bring, bring your A-game, and we'll, we'll see who uh, walks away with the, uh, the, the chili cook-off ring uh, this year at the Flannel by the Fire event. Again, that starts at 6.30 tonight. Uh, we hope we will see you there. Also, I want to mention to you, we have a great opportunity uh, coming up here in the next, over the next several months to participate in a program in our community that's called Blessings in a Backpack. And uh, this uh, is a wonderful thing where um, backpacks get packed full of food and they send them home with students at the end of the week um, to, um, to help uh, families that are, are suffering through some food insecurity and things like that. Uh, we have an opportunity to participate in that coming up in several different ways. Uh, but the first of those opportunities is coming up on Wednesday, November 8th, just a couple of weeks away. Uh, we're going to need some folks to meet at their warehouse to help pack the these bags for local school-aged children. And so as you leave today, you're going to be handed one of these things, which has all the information on it and uh, some contact information if you want more details on how to participate in that. So be sure you grab one of these and mark that uh, evening of November 8th from 6 to 7 uh, for that Blessings in the Backpack packing event. That'll be the first time uh, we have, an, first of many times we're, we're going to have uh, to participate in that uh, wonderful program uh, that really makes a difference in our community. So be sure you check that out. Well, this fall we're in a series of sermons we're calling Say Yes. And the theory behind this series is that we have an opportunity to say yes to participate in the kingdom of God. We're doing this because it's a great way for us to see and to realize that as followers of Jesus, we have been invited to participate in the kingdom of Jesus. And the reason we say it like this is because in the age that Jesus was walking on the earth, in the first century, in the time that we read about in the Bible, it was an age where kingdoms were, well, you know what this means. Might equals right. Might equals right. And those that had the power ruled over everybody. There was a royalty, and back then there were peasants, and that's what the kingdom was back then. And then comes along this homeless Jewish carpenter 
who is so common, he's so normal, that they have to pay one of his friends 30 pieces of silver to kiss him on the cheek in order to identify him in a crowd. And this homeless carpenter turns the world upside down with his kingdom. And yet Jesus never asked us to be a part of a religion. Jesus never asked us to be Christians. He simply invites us to be a part of his kingdom, which was entirely backwards from the kingdoms back then and completely opposite of the kingdoms today as well. And so Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's that word kingdom. And when we pray those words, when we pray your kingdom come, we're simply saying, oh God, may up there come down here. May the perfect world that you envision and you have for us prepared in heaven, may that happen here while we're still here on this planet. We pray for your kingdom to be expanded from heaven down here to earth, that your will be done here just like it is there, which means the kingdom of God is not just something we look forward to after we die. This kingdom is not just about your eternity in heaven. The kingdom is about now. May up there come down here. May it come in me, in us. This kingdom is now. Back in 1993, you can do the math to figure out how old you were then. But back in 93, there was a pretty important meeting of about 100, I think it was 143 religious leaders representing religions, the major world religions, all of the major world religions, Baha'is, Muslims, Sikhs, Hindus, Christians, Buddhists, they were all got together and they affirmed, these religious leaders, 143 of them, affirmed this one universal truth. And they incorporated this one universal truth into a declaration for a global ethic. That's a lot of big words, I know. Basically, religious leaders came down, those, what can we all agree on? Basically what they said. Is there one thing we can all agree on? And so they boiled it down to one sentence. And they said, this is it. This is the one thing that all religions in the world can agree on. And the author of this single sentence was this homeless Jewish carpenter whose kingdom turned the world upside down. And these are his words from Matthew chapter 7. In everything you do, do to, say the next word out loud with me, please. Others. And everything you do, do to, say it again, others, what you would have them do to you. So in 1993, these religious leaders got together. They looked at all of their teachings from all of their holy books, from all of their leaders, and they said, this one, ding, 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 this is it. This one right here, this is actually the best. This is the single universal ethic that we can all agree on, and Jesus says it before anyone else. This is why this statement is referred to as the golden rule. Do to others what you would have them do to you. So participating in the kingdom of Jesus means it's an others first kind of life. It means our attention and our focus. If we're going to be participating, if we're going to say yes to participating in this kingdom, our attention has to be on others first. There's a two-word phrase that keeps popping up over and over and over again in the New Testament. In fact, these two words appear together in the New Testament 59 times, and the two words are simply one another. One another. 
For instance, the Bible says, be devoted to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Be patient with one another. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Accept one another. In other words, do to others as you would have them do to you. So what I want to do today as we continue in this Say Yes series is I want to unpack just three of these one another statements from Scripture. Three ways that we say yes to participating in the kingdom of Jesus by putting others first rather than ourselves. Because in this kingdom, we're saying yes to putting others first. Here's the first one I want to talk about today, and it's simply to encourage others first. In God's kingdom, we encourage others first. This word encourage means exactly what you think it would mean. It means you put courage in someone else. You give them hope. You give them confidence. You give them spirit. There was a guy who lived during the time of Jesus in the first century who gives us, I think, a perfect snapshot of what it means to encourage others. His name was Joseph. Now, this is not Joseph, the father of Jesus. This is not Joseph from the Old Testament with the Technicolor dream coat. Not that Joseph. This is a Joseph that gets a name change, and we're going to see why in just a moment. Here's the setting. First century, Jesus has lived. He's done his ministry. He's died. He has resurrected. He has now ascended into heaven to be with the Father, waiting to come back for us. He had been seen by over 500 witnesses before his ascension, 50 days after the resurrection. There are thousands of people gathered from all over the world in Jerusalem for a, sit, for, for a festival. And during that moment in history, this movement of God's people that will come to be known as the church begins. Let me show you a snapshot from the book of Acts of what the church looked like in its first days. This is Acts chapter 4. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. What a beautiful picture of kingdom living. People were just taking care of one another. The needs of others was more important than the needs of themselves. They were unleashing compassion on one another. They were letting people live with them. They were selling stuff, selling possessions to pay for things to help someone else out who did not have what they needed. It was a beautiful moment, but there was still a problem. As much as this was helping the people in Jerusalem where the churches started, they knew they needed to advance this movement of Jesus beyond the streets of Jerusalem. They needed to get the word out to other people. They needed to take it beyond Jerusalem. So how would they do this when resources were needed? Look at the next verse, verse 37. For instance, there was Joseph. Here's our guy we're talking about. The one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means, I love it when the Bible interprets itself for us, which means son of encouragement. That's a pretty good nickname. 
son of encouragement, Barnabas. Here's what he did. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So this guy named Joseph said, there's something really, really good going on here in Jerusalem. We need to expand this. This needs to be bigger. This needs to go beyond here. I want to get behind this. I want to support this. I want to, I want to be a part of making this happen. So he goes off, sells part of his property, part of what he owned, and he brings the money to the apostles and says, here, advance the kingdom with this. Here's my gift. Do something with this. Advance the kingdom with it. And you know what they, they did? They did it. This is an unbelievable act because this financing allows this kingdom, this movement, this church to go further and faster with the movement of Jesus to the world. And because of it, Joseph earns the nickname Barnabas, which just means encouragement, a son of encouragement because of what he did. There's a wonderful little book called Gospel Patrons. And this book is all about the great movements of God throughout history. All these amazing individuals throughout history that many of us have never heard of, some of you have heard of before, but what they did for Jesus. But the book Gospel Patrons doesn't just tell about the people you may have heard of already. It tells the story of behind the scenes, of the business person behind the scenes that paid the bills to make those movements happen. It's the stories of the great revivals that broke out in England and in America. And somebody was behind it financing the whole thing. How when the printing press was invented, someone thought we should print Bibles. We should print scripture with this new printing press thing, but they didn't have the money to do that. So someone else came along to finance it and make it happen. Can I tell you something? When you become a faithful, generous contributor around here, and you give financially to this place on an ongoing basis, you join that crowd of gospel patrons. You are financing the advancement of the kingdom of God. And can I just say to you, thanks. Thank you. You are encouraging people every time these doors are open. And more than that, you are encouraging people with every initiative that we take on locally or globally. You're doing the encouraging. Well, Joseph, Barnab nicknamed Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he isn't done. Because in just a few chapters later in the book of Acts, we're going to read about this guy named Saul. You may have heard of him. Saul was this awful, nasty individual who was imprisoning Christians. Matter of fact, at one point, Saul is the ringleader of dra dragging this one follower of Jesus, guy named, by the name of Stephen, dragging him outside the city, and Saul holds everybody's coats while they all take turns throwing rocks at Stephen until Stephen is dead. And Saul's there cheering them on, approving of what they're doing. But not long after that, Saul is making his way towards Damascus one day, and Jesus appears to Saul. And it leads to a series of events that completely and radically transform Saul's life. And not only does he decide to become a follower of Jesus, but he wants to go and preach. He wants to go and take the message of Jesus, not just to Jerusalem, but to the ends of the world. He wants people to know about Jesus. And so he sets out on his now new life mission to tell people about Jesus. The question was, who was going to let Saul in their church? No one was. Well, why not? Because Saul was known for killing Christians, and nobody trusts Saul. 
No one believes that he's had this life-transforming moment with Jesus. No one believes him. No one trusts him. Enter into the story a guy named Barnabas, the son of encouragement, Acts 9. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he truly had become a believer. Then Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles and told them, Here's how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. This is huge. Because Saul, this guy Saul, this guy Saul literally is going to change the course of human history. Your life has been affected by this guy named Saul. You may not, know him as, may not know him as Saul. Maybe you're familiar with his other name, Paul, the apostle Paul. He got a name change too. And he literally takes the gospel all over the Middle East. And he becomes the greatest missionary in the history of the world. He writes most of your New Testament. When you read the New Testament, chances are you're reading the words of Paul. But think about this. Without Barnabas, there's no Paul. Without Barnabas, we don't have most of our New Testament. And it all goes back to this gospel patron named Barnabas who decided to encourage others. Let me personalize this for you. Let me just ask you, who can you encourage? Who can you invest in spiritually? Who could you just start praying for on a daily basis? Who could you pull aside today and say, you're doing a great job. I know it's tough, but you're a great mom. You're a great dad. You're doing amazing things. Thank you for how you've impacted my life. Thank you for what the difference you're making in my family's life. You've had such a strong, powerful impact on my life. Who could you encourage today? Here's the second of these one another phrases I want us to look at today. First, we encourage others first. Now, let's serve others first. We've talked about service a lot in this series for good reasons. I think Jesus gives us the perfect example of how we're supposed to live this out. On the night before Jesus is crucified, the disciples are having this meal together. It's that meal that Jesus is going to institute the, the Lord's Supper, communion, that we'll share in just a few moments. But at the beginning of this meal, maybe you don't know the story, I'll tell it to you, but at the beginning of this meal, something amazing happens. Look at it in John 13. So he, Jesus, got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. Now, I know some of you think I've heard this story before, but let me see if I can bring this a little more to life for you. Back in the first century, most people didn't wear shoes. And if they did, they wore an open-toed sandal type of a shoe. They didn't have paved roads, so they had dirt roads. And guess who else walked on the roads besides just the people with their sandals or their bare feet? Yeah, the animals. Sheep, goats, donkeys. And because of that... And because of the occasional rainstorm that turns dirt into mud, because of all the um, stuff that animals would leave on the road, you with me? I don't want to get gross here. As you walk down the road, well, 
your feet got nasty. Nasty, nasty. So when you rolled up into somebody's house, your feet stunk. Literally. Horribly. So typically there was somebody at the door of the house when you get there, a paid servant, usually the, the servant on the lowest end of the totem pole, so to speak. And it was this servant's job to wash the feet of everyone who entered the house. But nobody would do that on purpose. I mean, willingly, voluntarily. No one would do that willingly. No one volunteered for this job. But if you got to a house and there was no paid servant at the door, the practice was that the first person in the room, whoever got there first, would pick up the towel and the basin of water and wash feet until someone of a lower class, a lower standard, lower rank, walk into the door, and then that person would take the towel and the basin and wash the feet. Well, this is what's so fascinating here. Here's Jesus with all of his disciples gathered in this upper room for this Passover feast. This moment that we as Christians hold is a very holy moment. The Lord's Supper's about to happen. They're celebrating the Passover. The disciples are all there, and Jesus comes into the room. He takes one big whiff of the room, and he knows immediately nobody has washed anybody's feet. And it's disgusting. He's got to be thinking, I have invested three years in these knuckleheads, and none of you thought to get up and pick up the towel and the water. I mean, they would rather sit there around the table with filth on their feet than to serve one another in a role that they saw beneath them. And so Jesus comes in, sits down, notices no one's washing his feet either. After a little bit, he gets up, takes off his robe, wraps the towel around his waist, grabs the basin, gets on his hands and knees, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. They're filthy nasty feet. I'll bet every one of them around that table that night had this light bulb moment. Oh, I probably should have done that. That probably should have been me. Look what Jesus says to them after he's done. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Does that sound like where we started? Do to others as you would have them do to you. You see the similarities there? Do as I have done for you. You know, when you walk through life like this, with the, the metaphorical towel over your shoulder and the basin of water in your hand, looking for ways to serve others. It changes your perspective. It'll affect your mood. It will bring you joy like you've never knew, known before. Because you no longer walk into a room, any room, and think, what can you do for me? 
Instead, you now walk into a room and with the question of, how can I help? I'm here. How can I help? And you find someone that you can help. You can always find someone to help. So just for imagine, can you imagine what your house would be like? What, what life would be like in your family? If every room you walked into, you walked in with the attitude of, how can I help? Imagine what your, your job would be like. What would it be like at work tomorrow morning? If, if every room, every office, every cubicle you walked into, your mindset, your attitude was a kingdom mindset, was how can I help? How can I help? What would this church be like? If every single one of us said, how can I help? In this kingdom, we say yes to serving others first. Finally this morning, in this kingdom, we say yes to honoring others first. You see, in God's kingdom, it's others first. People don't, uh, don't use each other. We honor each other. We honor each other as better than ourselves. Romans 12 says this, honor one another above yourselves. Honor, now this word honor, it's a, it's a word we don't, we don't use very much anymore. We kind of think of this as a, like an old-fashioned thing or, or maybe we, well, we only give honor to God. But, but I understand what you're saying when you say that, but we give glory to God. We give honor to other people. We honor people who deserve to be honored. We respect them. We honor them. We, we give high regard to someone. That is to honor them. It's, it's what you do. Honor is when you stand up so that uh, maybe uh, uh, you, give, you can give up your seat to a senior citizen and you're willing to stand through whatever it is you're in so they have a place to sit. You honor them when you do that. Honor is when you walk up to a veteran and you say, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. That's honor. Honors when you, I don't know, you hold the door open for somebody. Even you got to stand there for, for a minute to let them get in the door. But you're honoring them by serving them that way. I, I think the best example is this. I got to talk about Mr. Rogers. You remember Mr. Rogers, right? The Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, the show. A lot of you grew up watching Mr. Rogers. Brilliant, creative, compassionate Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers was an ordained minister who believed the best way that he could minister was to impact the life of a child. And so he did that through years on his Mr. Rogers Neighborhood television program that you watched on PBS as a kid. Well, back in 1997, this is a bunch of years ago, back in 1997, the Academy of Television of Arts and Sciences decided to present Mr. Rogers with an Emmy Award for Lifetime Achievement, well-deserved honor. He's being honored with this award. But what Mr. Rogers chooses to do with his acceptance speech time shocked the audience. And it's such a great lesson for us. I don't want you to see what happened. Roll that, roll that video for us. Ladies and gentlemen, the best neighbor any of us has ever had, Fred Rogers.
it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. <laughs> so many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are. Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know? I love that moment when he asked this crowd of celebrities and A-listers to think about the people who affected them, who got them over there. I don't know if you noticed, there's, there's this really weird nervous laughter when he first asked that. They're like, ah. And then they all get really silent. Because as much as we like to honor ourselves, we realize sometimes there's honor due to someone who got you to where you are. So I want you to think about that for a second. Who would you think about in those 10 seconds? Who is someone that you could honor today with a text, an email, phone call, a letter, if you remember how those work. A face-to-face -face conversation. Who is it? Who is that person for you? Do to others as you would have done to you. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Honor one another. Who is that person for you? It, 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 can I ask? What if? What if we did that this week? Think about how different our world would be. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's why Jesus prayed, Father, may up there come down here. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh God, may your kingdom come. Let me pray for you. For our communion team, go ahead and take their places, please. And bow your heads with me. I want, <clears throat> I want just as your heads bowed, I want you to think about that person that you would honor right now. That person that you could encourage. That person that you could serve. And as we pray together, I, let's just pray for them. You see that person in your mind's eye, in your head, let's, let's pray for them this morning. God, all of us have thought about somebody in our hearts, our minds, someone who has benefited us, someone who has blessed us, someone who has marked our lives in such a significant way. So right now, God, we just want to say thank you. 
for them. Thank you for the gift of their lives being a part of our lives. God, there are people in our world that need to be encouraged. People that we're going to encounter today that need to be served. Teach us to say, how can I help? How can I help? There are people who deserve to be honored. And may we, as your followers, be the ones that do that. May we be the kind of change that needs to happen in the world. So may your kingdom up there come down here. May your kingdom be evident in me, in us. May your kingdom come in and through us as it is in heaven. We lift up our prayers now to King Jesus. Amen.